You are listening to the African Weekly episode 11, first broadcast on 7 June 2016. The African Weekly is brought to you in association with Remix Mini. Run all your Android apps on the world's first true Android PC. Just head over to bit.ly forward slash remixsa to get yourself one. So this week we talk about seed stars, seed stars and more seed stars. I chat to the brains behind South Africa's hottest startup right now, ID Work. Um, essentially the, the kind of idea what came about as a kind of discussion between some mates trying to think of something to, to do something that would have real impact and something we kept coming back to was the idea of a, a professional dignity. I also caught up with Marcello Sharma, who's the regional manager for Africa for Seed Stars. We basically try traveled to about 65 countries all over the world to find the best um, entrepreneurs from all over the world. We cover 20 countries in Africa and the South African events are the biggest ones because we don't just do one event in a country but we just came from Cape Town, Durban and Soweto and we're bringing the top three from every city together today to compete for the grand prize which is essentially going to Switzerland and competing for half a million US dollars. And Jeshri Naidu who is the head of the incubator at Standard Bank. We've learned that the entrepreneurs are hungry for opportunities like this and by just showcasing entrepreneurs you can give them so many opportunities to either collaborate with one another or to get access to markets and access to take their products to the next level. I also managed to chat to Dr. Happy Sutole about an amazing supercomputer that has been developed right here in Africa. It started off with the need to be able to address some of the challenges that we have as a country and I would say as the continent. It's going to be a good episode, so stay tuned. Hi everyone, welcome to the iAfrican Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Balungile. This is the one and only show that brings you the story behind the story from technology, business and public sector professionals across the African continent. Thank you so much for joining me. You can find all the show notes and details at weekly.iafrican.com. That's iAfrican with a K. <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter. The handle is at iAfricanWeekly. The weekly report on tech, innovation and startups in Africa with Ajay Rajani is powered by Emerging. Due to the 4th of July um, Independence Day holiday in the US, Ajay won't be joining us. But if you missed the last Emerging Market News update, just go to weekly.iafrican.com and listen to episode 10. So I was lucky enough to attend the annual Seed Stars final in South Africa last week where I hosted a panel discussion about the future of entrepreneurship in South Africa. So when when Seed Stars brought me on board, I was already sold um, by the idea. It's a phenomenal concept that involves seeking out the best startups, especially within emerging markets all over the world, bringing them to pitch and ultimately the best from each country go on to pitch at the global final. So anyway, obviously I insisted speaking to the country winners for this year, 
ID work. Here they are. I am chatting to a gentleman who in the course of the past week has become somewhat of a startup sensation. How about we do an introduction? Um, so we are ID work mm -hmm. um, and our aim is to essentially revolutionize the way the informal sector service providers are organized. That means your carpenters, plumbers, electricians, etc., etc. Basically give them the tools using technology to really stand out and do great work for customers. And I'm speaking to Shio. Shio, you, wh what's your role at ID Work? So I am essentially the CEO. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of drive the strategy and the business side of things. I'm, you know, I'm the come from a little bit of a corporate background, mm -hmm. so yeah, bring bring that to the company. And congratulations, by the way, you you officially now recognized as the best startup in South Africa. How are you feeling about winning the Seed Start South Africa final? Yeah, it was really cool. I, I think it's, um, you know, certainly something we, we didn't expect. Um, it was quite stiff competition and really great pitches on the day. Yeah, I think most of it's just been quite surprising. We've been doing this for a while, but mostly quite underground. So it's very interesting and very humbling to get attention for it and some sort of external validation. It's a nice, it's a nice tag to say, to have rather. So you mentioned you've been doing this for a while. Tell us a little bit about what ID Work is and how did the idea come about? Sure. So um, essentially the, the kind of idea what came about as a, as a kind of discussion between some mates trying to think of something to, to do something that would have real impact. And something we kept coming back to was the idea of a, a professional dignity. Um, we, we talked about the, the, you know, the importance of having track record and you know um, a, lot, a lot of us have been you know lucky enough to you know go to good schools and get a decent education and then put you know all these corporate names on, on your CV etc and you know when you go into a job interview your CV already speaks for you and we figured that not everybody has that luxury you know some people when they go into an, a discussion or they go into a professional engagement they're just met with you know doubt and you know it's re really quite antagonizing so we said okay what can we do to make this a more democratic experience because people who sorry sorry to interrupt but you're talking about uh, tradesmen right informal laborers uh, as some would exactly. call it so right that, that's kind of where we saw the the interaction to be most fraught was um with informal service providers so you know that's plumbers, electricians, um, carpenters, etc. People who have actual skills but mm. have no way of um, demonstrating them to, to a customer. And so um, let's talk about the technicalities between the, uh, behind the service. Sorry. Um, I'm actually looking at the website right now. Um, and, it, and it tells me quite simply, um, get your projects done. I can find a carpenter, a handyman, um, a, a contractor, a plumber. Um, and then here it says type in your service and select a, 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 a select a service, right? Yeah, exactly. So the, essentially as a customer, how you interact with it is you go on the website, you kind of say what you want. So I need a builder in Kilani, for instance, and you go ahead and find mm -hmm. the profile. So that's the first thing we do is we provide these guys with really intuitive and rich profiles. So if you have a look at the profiles, you can see reviews, which are you know the lifeblood. You can see their qualifications. You can see if their ID has been registered or if they've been vetted by the system. So that's, that's the first thing. 
It's just um, giving them profiles that you can search through, and then you choose someone. And what we do is throughout the process, we give you an end-to-end experience. You're allowed to communicate with the guy and send him pictures for what you need done. He can quote to you using his feature phone. He can send you invoices. You can keep a track record of the work mm. that you've done with him, and then you can pay online. So you know, we see it as a full, immersive service experience. Yeah, I think I, what I find so fascinating is that, I, I mean, so I just put in here Bromfontein. I'm in Bromfontein and I need a painter. And it just pulls up three people, uh, probably who are close to me or, or would work in the vicinity of Bromfontein. I can see that this person has six reviews. They're a painter. There's their name. And there's a picture of the, the person that I, I would be interacting with. Where did the idea of this review system um, and you know this thing where you can actually see beforehand who you're going to be interacting with, where did that idea come from? And have you see, what has been the success with using this system, especially for your specific business model? Yeah, so um, the, the idea was really simple. It's really how do I um, engage or you know show a customer the best of my abilities and we thought in this market especially with how does it work right so if you needed a carpenter or you needed a plumber to come what would you do you'd call your sister your brother your uncle etc word of mouth is huge so we said how can we bring that word of mouth onto a page and so reviews seem to be the best way to do that and then we said okay what else do you want to see you want to feel personable right so you want to see the person's going to be coming into your home make you trust them and you know if someone turns up it's not some random person that has been sent out or randomly you know it's someone that you've chosen you've had a look at so important to us was really representing very clearly who this person was and what they were capable of cool 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 let's talk about the rest of the team and and, and what roles each of you play in in id work Sure. So um, Ergin is the CTO, so he handles all the tech and all the back end that supports the, the experience was, was built by him. And then Lucas um, is the third member of the team, and he's the operations guy. He, he's really about kind of the processes. He's on board all service providers, etc., etc. So I, I was very lucky enough to see your pitch, okay. and it was an excellent pitch. Um, I, I was at the Seed Star South Africa final. What I'm curious about is how, first of all, did you get involved in Seed Stars? And what has been the most, let's say, surprising part of your Seed Stars journey so far? Because it hasn't ended. So let's talk about what's, what's transpired so far. Sure. So, I mean, we knew about the Seed Stars competition um, just from, you know, blogs and whatnot and we we said okay we're going to apply um and then we went on the website and it wasn't working for some reason and turns out we had got the deadline day wrong by about a month so we were like oh my god (laughs) you know so it was actually the event deadline that we thought was the the actual event day that we thought was the deadline so we emailed and said look we have all the stuff we're ready to apply we just made a simple mistake and kept on emailing and they let us know that there was a wildcard entry and that we should be ready to apply in the next week or so. And then having spoken to Giraffe, the winners who from last year, um, we were convinced that we needed to go and really give this a go. So we sent the application in, got in, fortunately, um, and then went there with the, the, the real intention of telling our story. And, um, you know, we, we, we've been working very hard on this for, for a while and you know, we, we wanted to make sure that that came across. Um, and really clear, just um, doing it, and it worked out quite well. And you said, what was the most surprising thing? I think attention. We're not used to it. Yeah. <laughs> attention. Yeah. 
<laughs> what kind of attention? Like social media? Or... You know, my, my email that, that's normally quite well organized was um, polluted in a beautiful way by tons and tons of retweets and ads and all sorts. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, and Facebook the same and, you know, media attention, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, um, that was certainly, I mean, we should have, in hindsight, thought it through. But I think um, our real intention mm. was winning the competition. And um, we, we didn't really, um, we weren't ready, I guess, for what was coming after. And for you, Arjun, what's been the most surprising part of your Seed Stars journey? Um, for me, I mean, also like, you know, the Twitter feed catching a light is quite a, it's quite a different experience. And I guess a part of... A part of what's surprising is that you, you, you're working so hard and putting so much time into something um, and, and you kind of don't know how to evaluate yourself against what's out there. And to see the other startups that, that pitched, and I mean, some of them were really outstanding. I mean, all of them actually that pitched were really outstanding. And um, it was really great um, to, to see that we actually, you know, compare favorably with, with, with that. And it's, uh, that, was, that, was, that was exciting and a bit surprising. I mean, in terms of valuation, and the reason why I said it's not over yet is because it's, it's kind of only the beginning for you guys. You'll be representing South Africa, if I'm not mistaken, at the Seed Stars World Global Finals, oh, right, in Switzerland April. in next April. So you'll be pitching to about a thousand people and you're going head to head with uh, other winners from all over the world for this uh, $500 million equity investment, right? And, and, and additional dollars in prize money, etc. Are you feeling the pressure? Kind of. Not, I mean, we're not, not, we're not um, <laughs> freaking out about it. We're just going to carry on doing We're going to carry on uh, you know, building a great product. And uh, when the time comes, we'll go out there and uh, tell people what, you know, where we are and what we've done and We'll see. We'll see how we, we match up. The the cool thing is that you know we we can we can always get some advice from the giraffe guys who who did the same last year. And especially, I mean, with partners like Standard Bank Incubators and the Jury Panel, which was you know, I mean, Jayshree and I do, Ravi and I do, Polo Ratebe, you know, I mean, I think you guys have a lot of support especially within the startup scene in South Africa. But, uh, do you, I mean, is there a specific strategy uh, that you have in mind, especially when you're going to be presenting on such a big platform and competing with so many other startups that have done the, the same thing as you, essentially? What are your thoughts on how that's going to go down? So I guess, um, I mean, for us, the real differentiator and the magic is actually, you know, in the product. So, as, I mean, it, it all comes down to, you know, uh, how much can we do between now and then? What can we make? How useful is it to real people? And that translates into a great pitch. So that's, that's really what we're focusing on right now. And so, I mean, just a final sort of thought from, especially from my side, what uh, Shio and I were talking about be- be beforehand is also the, the, the iAfrican platform is pan-African, right? And so our passions lie in you know African development and so this is a big reason why we also wanted to chat to you guys and congratulate you guys on the work that you do because it is you know through creating employment by using tech you're only in the in the most unimaginable way possible contributing to the development not only of South Africa but also Africans in general i know that you're currently operating in in Gauteng province in South Africa, but any plans on expanding maybe to the rest of the country or to the rest of the continent? (laughs) 
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, um, I'm originally from Nigeria, um, and you know that's that's something that I always see as one of our big next steps is how we get our product there. You know, we 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 chose this problem because we see it to be a problem particularly particular right. to the African continent. You know, and um, again, that's another thing that I think gives us a you know a leg up when we go to see stars next year is that we're solving a problem so particular to our continent that informal service provider market it, it exists everywhere and it exists quite you know in in droves so um yeah for sure this is a this is certainly a pan african um venture yeah and just to go back to the question that i uh, the panel discussion sorry that i hosted uh, during the the final proceedings in terms of the future of entrepreneurship in south africa many would argue that you are many would argue that you are helping shape you know the future of entrepreneurship what is your take and what makes you feel optimistic or perhaps um nervous about the future of entrepreneurship in south africa especially because now you're literally in the eye of the storm or at the center of it all. Yeah, I think for, for, for me it's kind of two things. Um, you know, on, on one side, we, we consider the service providers on our platform entrepreneurs. Right. They, they really are small micro enterprises. And I'm loving the, the kind of attention that's paid to that kind of stuff with the, the enterprise development drives and corporates and government, etc. I think there's some really important stuff happening there. Um, it's early days, but it's you know really driving small, medium, or small micro enterprises into the market. I think is a huge, um, um, a huge, you know, um, hugely important um, drive. And then on the other side, in terms of kind of more what we do in the tech side, it's also it's like the kind of love we've received from people in the ecosystem has been great. Um, kind of with you know Seed Academy, Josie Hub. Um, Findaba, etc., etc. So we, we've we've had a lot of people in the ecosystem showing us a lot of love, and it's been really, really, really nurturing, and we really appreciate it. And so I think there's also something around helping people like us kind of get to where we want to go. And then the thing I would like to see more is more people with, you know, backgrounds of professional kind of backgrounds and in, in corporates etc try their hands at it uh, you know it's you know it's there's a lot of value being created there's a lot of responsibility you have there's i don't think there's any better forum to make a difference in entrepreneurship and you know i think certainly in south africa there's a lot of smart and capable people that really could be in this realm Mm-mm. and for you urgent yeah i mean my, my, my thoughts run quite similarly to to Shiles, but i i definitely do think you know there's a lot of extra headroom um, for for the many really highly talented, highly skilled people um, who uh, are kind of behind desks, and um, I think it, you know hopefully by the success of like for example Giraffe, you know going out and doing so well and uh, making such a big difference that's visible to everyone, uh, more people will be inspired to you know kind of uh, you know take the leap and and, and try and start something or, or even join something small and uh, you know direct the efforts. Um, in a way that that actually has uh, the biggest impact. So, so I hope to you know, as as part of this team, uh, maybe through our success, you know, inspire more of that kind of thing to happen. Because I think it's something that snowballs. And um, I think you know, you can see you can see the momentum kind of building. You can see um, people even you know across the brief two years that we've been running this thing, um, more awareness and more attention being paid to the startups and the, the lifestyle and the. Career that affords. So I think yeah, it's, it's going in a good direction. 
And what's next for ID work? So the, so the global finals, like we discussed, are next year. But between now and then, what's next for you, for you guys as a business that's still developing? I think Urgen said it perfectly. It's all product, product, product. It's, you know, making sure customers really enjoy what we provide and making sure the service providers get to grow their businesses. And, you know, so we're, we're always engaging with ways we can do that better. Um, and also building out a team. So, you know, as with what Arjun just mentioned, we're looking for super talented, super skilled, but mostly import, most importantly, hard workers who care about making a difference on our continent. The, the, the great thing and kind of my favorite thing about what we do is that, you know, we can build profitable businesses, but if you concentrate on the right areas, you're going to make a huge, huge social impact. And um, that's kind of the philosophy we hold. And we want to bring more people along for the ride. So I'd say those were kind of the, the, the main things is continuing to optimize our product for customers and building a team of, you know, of people who can drive this story of, you know, of, to the lengths and heights that we, we see it. Yeah, I mean, it's really, if you, if you put a bunch of people who love what they're doing and create what they're doing in a room, I mean, you know, the more of them you can get in there, you know, the more potent your product's going to be and the more impact you're going to make. So, so that's a really important part of, of what we're doing in the next couple of months. Great, guys. Well, like, like I said, I'm, <laughs> I love, 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 love your idea. And I, I, and I love it because I love your business uh, and because it provides a service, but it also helps create job opportunities at the same time. And especially in a country like South Africa, where, you know, unemployment is sitting at, you know, 26, 27 percent. This is this is what we need. So I want to commend you for what you're doing and, and, and congratulate you once again. Is there anything that you wanted to add that I haven't touched on? Just anything that you would want the listeners to know? Have a look at our website if you need some kind of service providers or any kind of work. And if you just know of great service providers, you can nominate them through our website. But yeah, we, we always want to talk to people engage with people and make make our product better so please feel free to get in touch yeah and even if if, you, if you're interested in our story um if you'd like to hang out uh, if you'd like to bounce your idea off us you know feel free to do so um you know we, we we're here to see the system the this ecosystem grow and and uh, you know we'd love to be a part of that cool so that website address is uh, idwork.co right okay and then um so you can check out idwork um at idwork.co www.idwork.co and then also check them out on twitter at idwork underscore sa thank you so so much guys great cheers thank you Bulungile. that was a great interview <laughs> that was Shio and Urjun, rock stars, in my opinion. Thank you so much, guys. Cheers. The iAfrican Weekly is brought to you in association with Remix Mini, the world's first true Android PC. Head over to bit.ly forward slash Remix SA and learn about this innovative Android PC that allows you to work and play with the entire Android app ecosystem while taking full advantage of intuitive PC features such as a taskbar, multiple window multitasking, mouse and keyboard support, and so much more. Just go to bit.ly forward slash Remix SA to get yourself the world's first true Android PC. Up next, more seed stars and I catch up with Dr. Hepi Sitole about an interesting innovation and get the story behind the story. All right, so I'm talking to Marcello Sherma, the regional manager for Africa for Seed Stars. What is this going on? What's going on today? Tell me about that. Let's start there. 
so today we're hosting the South Africa final of our startup competition called Seed Stars World. We basically travel to about 65 countries all over the world to find the best um, entrepreneurs from all over the world. We cover 20 countries in Africa and the South African events are the biggest ones because we don't just do one event in a country, but we just came from Cape Town, Durban and Soweto and we're bringing the top three from every city together today um, to compete for the grand prize, which is essentially going to Switzerland and competing for half a million US dollars, which is 8 million rand, I think, today, which is, I think, quite some money. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the inception of Seed Stars. What was the motivation to start this organization uh, and to kick off with such an initiative that has so much scale right now? Tell me about the beginnings. So the beginnings were relatively simple. So the founders were interested in learning more about what happens with you know startups and entrepreneurship in emerging markets. And so they said, what's the best way of finding it out? Well, let's go and try. So they went to about 20 countries in the first uh, year and held very small competitions to bring the ecosystem together and get a feeling for what's going on. And then these competitions became kind of got a life for themselves and people started getting really excited, wanting to get involved. And so it really grew from about 20 countries in the first year to now 65 this year. And it's essentially on every continent um, we're hosting events. So it's really, really cool to see how it's grown and how you know people have gotten on board and got excited about it. We couldn't be any more happy about this. Okay, so what's your journey been? How were you introduced to the Seed Stars, uh, the Seed Stars brand? So, you know, these things are always pretty random. So we host this big summit in Switzerland um, every year. And at some point I received an email inviting me to this event and I couldn't go. And so I emailed the, 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 the teams and I was like, look, what you guys, are super, what you guys do is super interesting. Um, I want to learn more. And so we had a Skype chat and at some point I said, look, we're looking for someone who, who, can, who can help us scale this in, in Africa. Are you interested? And I said, okay. And three weeks later, I was sitting on a plane um, on the way here and, and trying to set this up. I'm, I was actually living in San Francisco before. So I boarded a plane from the States, moved here, and, uh, and I've been doing this for about one and a half years now. And it, felt, it feels like a breeze. Because I'm, I'm curious about... What you okay? I mean, uh, yes, it's been a breeze, but I'm curious also about the challenges that you've faced. Can you talk a little about about that? I mean, not specifically in South Africa, but generally in Africa as well, um, in terms of working with seed stars. So when I say a breeze, I meant more time has flown like crazy. Um, I think every day you face new challenges because essentially you're doing you're working across 20 countries. So it starts with simple things like you know internet outages, power outages, infrastructure problems. And then it, you have cultural differences, right? So people in different countries. Um, especially on the continent work differently think differently at different speeds and different languages and so it's a it's a very big learning as to how do you communicate with someone who's in Nigeria versus someone who's in Kenya versus someone who's in Angola um, on a cultural level but also in terms of languages you have French-speaking countries in West Africa you have Portuguese-speaking countries here in this in, in Southern Africa and all of these places have different cultures different ways of doing things and if you want to run successful th businesses or, or events there, you need to make sh you need to be able to align to these cultures and, and learn from them and work in their way and not force them to work your way. And that's honestly the biggest, biggest challenge to be able to switch between 20 cultures on a given day. Um, that's probably one of the biggest challenges. And I'm still way I'm still far away from from figuring it out, I think. And, and what's been your what 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 do you love about your job 
and what inspires you? So two questions, possibly related. What do you love about your job and what inspires you about working in Africa? So what inspired me was just seeing the incredible potential that you have all over the continent. There's been no country that I visited where I was not, you know, presented with really amazing people who are working on really interesting things and have really big ambitions and dreams and honestly that's one of the most inspiring things just coming into a place and seeing people who have dreams and aspirations and want to do things and 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 have really really big dreams and then that's what inspired me and that's also the funniest the best part about my job because i can meet these people i can learn from them and i can play my tiny little part to help them scale up their dream and make their dream bigger and more more impactful that's honestly one of the best parts about my job because i end up seeing these people who all of a sudden can grow their business from uganda to the rest of the world meet people from all over the world and that's that's really it's it's very gratifying to see okay do you have anything else that you wanted to add about the, about the event, anything you want people to know, maybe for the listeners? Well, if you want to know more about where we're stopping next, um, you can go to seedstarsworld.com. Um, we're just starting the tour, so we're going to hit up about 20 countries on the continent from now on, from Southern Africa, West Africa, East Africa. Um, so there's not many, well, most big countries we're, we're, we're in this year. So if you want to get involved, if you want to get engaged, if you want to apply, if you want to support, if you want to just know more, go on seedstarsworld.com and get in touch with us. Great. Thank you so much, Marcello. And good luck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'll be there. The Standard Bank Incubators run by Cheshu Naidu, who's a phenomenal woman in her own right. Um, I spoke to her because I wanted to learn more about why it's important that organizations or initiatives like Seedstars are supported by big business, especially when it's big local business. Here's my chat with Jayshree. So I'm speaking to Jayshree Naidu, who's the head of the incubator at Standard Bank. Thank you so much for joining me, Jayshree. You're welcome. So first things first, what is the motivation of companies or corporations like Standard Bank in setting up incubators and in some way getting involved in new fresh business? So banks have um, banks have a role to play so much more than just banking products and so have every other corporate in South Africa. So the private sector has this role to play in terms of creating an enabling environment for entrepreneurs. We've heard for a very long time that the responsibility to grow entrepreneurs can't just come from government. It has to come from private sector and it has to come from entrepreneurs themselves that access these programs that are available to them through the private sector as well. All right, so you're the main partners at Standard Bank of Seed Stars South Africa Final. Um, what have you learned from this experience? I think it's the second year that you're the main sponsor. What have you learned from the entire experience? We've learned that we have amazing talent on the African continent because we've also partnered with Seed Stars in some of the other African countries that Standard Bank has a presence through Standbeck. We've learned that their entrepreneurs are hungry for opportunities like this. And by just showcasing entrepreneurs, you can give them so many opportunities to either collaborate with one another or to get access to markets and access to take their products to the next level. 
also we've uh, you know we've come a long way with seed stars in terms of last year when we sponsored seed stars it was the first time we did this it was new for the bank it was new for the country and it was something we really wanted to put our brand behind and it paid off in the long run because the winner of seed star south africa went on to represent south africa with over 60 other organizations from over 50 countries and came back winning seed stars global and that was giraffe jobs so we're extremely proud that we were able to produce a winner on a global scale as well now i've seen this amazing graphic uh, float around on social media <laughs> you've basically mapped out the entire startup environment uh, composition of south africa what was the most surprising thing that you found in that process my goodness so actually it is not a full picture as you would have seen on social media and on linkedin many individuals have said uh, there are people missing and what are we doing and organizations are not doing enough that are all on this ecosystem but the reality is this is not an ecosystem of the entrepreneurs this is an ecosystem of the players that support entrepreneurs and the support structures that entrepreneurs can access. And I am fully aware that the ecosystem is not complete. There are many organizations that are missing from the ecosystem. In fact, I've taken some of the advice from some of the individuals that have commented where I'd like to start including things like competitions available for entrepreneurs, programs that offer showcasing as well as co-working spaces. So all of that will be in version two. I'm assuming it's going to get to version two, three, four, five, and a couple hundred by the time we finish. But what happened was this viral conversation around this ecosystem and strange people coming up to me saying, I've seen you map to ecosystem, I've taken a copy. It just shows you that there's a hunger for this type of knowledge on what is available to entrepreneurs in South Africa. Yeah, I think that's actually a great comment. It's a great beginning. It's actually quite impressive what you did. I don't know where you got the time to do it, but it clearly demonstrates that you're quite passionate about the composition of entrepreneurship in South Africa. Um, so I want to thank you personally for that because it was also very educational for me. Um, just a final question. Um, as the head of the incubated Standard Bank, you've seen businesses being born. You've seen entrepreneurs breathe life into their ideas. What are some of the challenges that you've seen small businesses face and how could that be converted into opportunity? There's just so many challenges that they face. But one of the challenges that we come across quite regularly is the access to quality mentors, but not just mentors from an academic perspective, real mentors that entrepreneurs can engage with on a regular basis and not in a classroom environment either, but that have specific answers to solve for their specific challenges and problems. And we're finding more and more that more developed entrepreneurs or growth entrepreneurs or those that have made it are ideally positioned to give back to those entrepreneurs that are starting up because they've been through this journey. So it can't come from a corporate person. It has to come from someone that's lived the journey, had the experiences, and now can share their knowledge at a very personal level. And that's the reason we've gone through the processes of having things like mass mentoring sessions and one-on-one -on -one mentoring sessions. Because once you make an introduction, entrepreneurs can then take the conversation forward. So if I were to choose one thing, I would say access to quality mentors and coaches. There's hundreds of others, but we'll stick to that for now. Thank you so much, Shashi, for your time. 
and for all that you do. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm chatting to Dr. Happy Sutole from the Council of Scientific and Industrial Research, the CSIR. Uh, which is based in Pretoria. We're talking about Lingao, which is Africa's fastest computer. Thank you so much for joining me, Doctor. Uh, thank you, Balangela. Well, so, I mean, this is a great innovation and a great solution. Uh, on, this show, on this show, we often talk about uh, problems that African countries are experiencing. So what was the motivation to develop Lingao, which is, you know, known as a supercomputer? And when did the process begin? Okay, first of all, I think uh, looking at uh, the development of uh, high-performance computing or supercomputers in the country, it started off with the need to be able to address um, some of the challenges that we have as a country, and I would say as the continent. So the, the access to supercomputers to our researchers has always been there way before we started to build our own supercomputers. For an example, scientists like myself who did uh, their degrees maybe in the 90s, I had to depend on other countries outside South Africa to have access to supercomputers. So, so this is where we started off. And uh, with all these needs from the community, um, the Department of Science and Technology was approached to say, we need to have this uh, capacity in the country. So there were a number of uh, scientists um, working in different fields who required the supercomputers. So where we started is uh, then it had to be an investment uh, through the Department of Science and Technology, uh, which uh, started in 2007. So this is how we started off with uh, the first supercomputers built in uh, South Africa. And uh, once the systems were built in the country, there was a huge demand from the users in the country. And uh, with that huge demand, then, we had to grow from a supercomputer which was uh, only 2.5 teraflops, uh, having like uh, 640 processors. We had to grow to a supercomputer that had about 61 teraflops uh, with about 7,000 processors. And now, finally, now in 2016, we have got a supercomputer that can do uh, 783 teraflops and which has got over 24,000 processors. So the growth here has always been uh, dictated to or guided by the amount of utilization from our users. All right. And, and, and so uh, I, I mentioned before, you know, the, this came out of a need which, uh, which arose on the continent in terms of um, processing a massive amount of data. But can you talk about um, the stakeholders who have an interest in having a supercomputer like this existing? Uh, what kind of work is going through something that takes, that, you know, has such um, high processing speeds and also such massive amounts of, uh, of, of memory and storage? What kind of uh, data are we talking about here that's, uh, that's being processed? Uh, by a supercomputer? 
Yeah, first of all, I think uh, the, the first uh, people that uh, we're looking at is our researchers at universities who work in fields like, for an example, uh, in mineral uh, processing environments. These people, for them to be able to understand the different materials or minerals, the, they need to be able to have a huge number of atoms building their system so that they can be able to do a simulation of uh, these systems closer to the reality. For an example, if I have to simulate the properties of gold, if I only do the simulation with uh, two atoms of gold in my system, it won't be giving me the actual uh, properties of gold. But if I do a system with closer to, say, for an example, a thousand to couple of ten thousands of gold particles in my system, then the properties that I will be able to simulate will be closer to what gold is. So this is just in terms of the research. And, and for an example, if I take somebody who's working on, uh, for, for an example, on uh, the, the, the structural analysis or where we're looking at design of, let's say, motor cars, um, the, the systems that are used there are finite element analysis and they look at the structure. And for you to be able to get a clear simulation of a car, it means that you have to have uh, many um, uh, parameters that you put in to do that simulation. And for that, your computing requirements keep on increasing. And closer to what a lot of people might understand is, uh, for an example, the researchers who are working on, uh, say, climate modeling or, say, weather prediction. Uh, normally, when we do a weather prediction, it, it depends on how do you cut your grid or how do you look at the size of the problem that you are solving. Say, I am sitting in Pretoria, and between Pretoria and Johannesburg, you have got almost about 40 uh, kilometers. And if a weather forecaster is going to look at what is the weather pattern between Pretoria and Johannesburg, and is going to look at it in an 80-kilometer radius, then that person is going to miss mm -hmm. Johannesburg. Mm -hmm. you, get, you get my point. So it mm -hmm. means that the, the person should be doing a forecasting on maybe about the five kilometer radius. And immediately when you do a five kilometer radius, it means that you get a lot of data for you be, to be able to do that weather prediction. So these are the type of things that uh, you, you are looking at. And, and I can look at a lot of more other examples. But uh, I think the other one that uh, most of uh, our users will be very clued up with is uh, now the challenge that we are looking at on the square kilometer array. This is the big astronomy project, project that is taking place in uh, South Africa and Australia. So basically in the Southern Hemisphere. So at the moment we do have telescopes that collect data uh, from the sky. And we have got uh, about seven telescopes that are called the CAT7 sitting in the Karoo. But uh, for the SKA full production, we will need thousands of those telescopes. So already once these telescopes increase, 
there's a massive amount of data that will be collected that need to be processed. So I would say that the challenges in this case are varying from uh, basic um, research, but uh, also it goes into our industries. So for our industries also to be competitive, and, and, and I can talk about, uh, for an example, in this case, on our uh, financial markets. Everybody uh, in the continent want to know the performance of the financial markets. And I think, Balunile, uh, in this case, uh, we might underestimate how much processing goes in before we will know what is the performance of the rent uh, to the dollar, yes, a lot of yes. things come in in there, and 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 for that to be able to be processed within a short space of time, we need massive computing to be able to estimate the financial markets. So this, I think, I think are some examples that uh, will be closer to most of uh, the listeners. Incredible! It's incredible. Um. And so for me, what I deal with is a, is a normal laptop, you know. Um, so I'm just curious about, I mean, okay, we can't even compare the two. The, the, the supercomputer is so fast that you can't even compare it to, you know, like my computer where, where you know, we say gigahertz or gigabytes, you know. But I, I'm curious about what measures have been taken so that, you know, this, com this supercomputer and similar supercomputers don't experience, you know, the typical thermodynamic issues like overheating or crashing due to maybe software or hardware errors like normal computers. What kind of engineering goes into that so that a, a, a massive system like this doesn't fail? Um, I, I absolutely. I think uh, this is a very good question. Um, uh, if you look at your, your, your computer only, and I can take you back a little bit on history. Uh, our computers initially had only one processor, which we call the central processing unit, or right, the CPU right. in most cases. So com uh, advancements in terms of uh, the processing uh, has taken place over years. And currently, you will be surprised that the laptop that you have there in your desk, on your desk, uh, will be having more than uh, four processors at least mm -hmm. at this stage. So that's a massive improvement. So if you take as uh, the laptop that you used to have in your 80s, you basically have got four laptops on your desk today. Wow. And, and, and that's massive uh, computing capability now that you have. And, and I'm glad that you raised the issue of software. Because uh, today we have got these four desktops and we don't realize we still behave like in the 80s where I keep on doing one process at a time. Uh, when I run my uh, weight, I only run my weight and then after that then I will run uh, my PowerPoint and I will look at my email. Uh, but uh, this computing uh, power now that you have, it allows you to do all those things all at a time. You know that. Uh, because in the past, mm -hmm. if, you, if, you, if you are trying to run your Word and run your PowerPoint 
and read your email at the same time, your computer was going to crash. Right. Because it was only one uh, processor that we had. But today you'll be amazed. You can, I, I, I'm sitting in my office and I've got three screens in front of me. And all these screens are doing something on, mm -hmm. on them, just mm -hmm. on my, my desktop. So the power of supercomputing is exactly that. It is to allow you to do more than one processor or processes at a time. So if I'm just looking at my desktop with only four processors, Imagine if I have got so many of this desktop uh, 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 laptops capability packed into uh, a system that we call now a supercomputer. And I, I, I pack them in a rack and I can have maybe about a hundred of those or a thousands of them. Then can you imagine how many things that I can be able to do? But the, the limitation in this is based on the capability of me being able to tell these la la laptops to work as a system all at the same time. And this is what we call to be able to parallelize, right? So we need to be able to do things in parallel and, 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 and work things simultaneously. And that is the capability that we need on our applications. So. Uh, the, the, the beauty of this is that we don't just need the hardware, but we need people to be able to uh, build the software and, and software which are parallel. So currently with our supercomputer, Lengau, as you have just uh, indicated, it can do, um, in this case, 782. Mm -hmm times 10 to the power 15 instructions per second. Oh my goodness. That's how fast it can do. As compared to your desktop, you, you correctly indicated it is only gigaflops that you have in front. This one is petaflops. So I think this is the... And, and, and how do we do that measurement? So for, for, for many people who don't know, how would you uh, measure a petaflop? Uh, in, in relation to a gigaflop? How do we measure that? They are all... So what would be the conversion? Yeah, first let's talk about the flop. What a flop is? F-L-O-P. P, exactly. It's a... This is a floating point operation, right? So the floating point operation is if I give a computer an instruction, how many of those instructions can it do per second? Right. As we say flops. So it's floating point operations per, per second. second. Yeah. Right? So um, if we are given a task, we are, I, I give a task to my desktop and I also give a task to the supercomputer. That's what we do. So we have got a, 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 a program that we provide to the computers and we say to the computer, solve this problem. And we want to see how many instructions can both of you computers can do in a second. So for my laptop, because it's only some, uh, it's measured in gigaflops, so it will only do maybe 10 to the 6 um, uh, giga, it's about 10 to, the, to, 10 to the 6 floating point operations per second, right? Mm -hmm. But this one will do 10 to the 15 
at the same time. So they were given as the same problem. Right. So if I have to put it in layman's uh, uh, term here. Please do. Is if I give a task to one individual and I give the very same task to six individuals and we measure on how much will they be able to complete in a second. One person who's working alone and those six people who are working together in parallel, they will be able to do more than one person. Do you get the analogy? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, so that is basically what is happening here. So this comparison, it will be now your laptop working alone and this supercomputer with uh, about a thousand of processors working together at the same time. Hence, you see that your laptop will only be able to do 10 to the 6 instructions per second, but the supercomputer will be able to do 10 to the 15 mm -hmm. or even 10 to the 18 mm -hmm. uh, instructions per second. And Balungile, this is what really defines competitiveness. Right. Because if you were going to look at, say, the examples that I gave you, analysis of the financial markets, uh, me with my laptop, I will be waiting to find out about the rent dollar exchange and waiting for months just to get an answer. But Balungile, because she has got access to Lingao, that can do 10 to the uh, 15 uh, instructions per second. Balungile will give this uh, uh, instruction to Lingao, and within a few minutes, she will have an answer, and she will be able to go to the market faster than me. That's clear competitiveness. So basically, in terms of our economy, is that uh, our industries, whenever they have got ideas, uh, the only way they can be competitive is how fast do they take their ideas into products. And uh, going fast into uh, production, it gives you the, uh, the first chance to go into the markets and you become competitive. So these things also help us to be able to be competitive. Uh, in our industry. I will just give you one uh, example, please, one please. <clears throat> that uses supercomputers for their industry. And if I, if I talk about Germany, I guess you will think about auto manufacturing, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, like a BMW. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you know that how much computing goes into that BMW? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I just, can imagine. For, just, for, just for the change of design, one has to be able to demonstrate how good is that design. So there's a lot of computing that goes in there. And we can see in terms of the design that comes from, from, from those areas. So I, I think this is one thing that uh, most of the listeners will have uh, a clue and just see how other nations becomes competitive. Mm, I think this is incredible and it's a big, big source of pride. You know, it's like you say, this, it's, the, it's this kind of technology and innovation that gives you the edge and gives you the ability to be competitive because, I mean, the world, the world is a competitive place. So you, you need to step up to the plate and really, you know, um, be amongst those other big, you know. I mean, th this, is, this has been described as the, 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 the fastest computer that Africa has ever seen, you know. 
So it, it really, it, it does contribute a lot to making Africa, not just South Africa, but also Africa, you know, um, competitive. Um, is there anything that uh, you, you maybe wanted to share with the listeners that I haven't asked you about? So we've spoken about speed, capacity. Let's talk about the name a little bit. I, I think before, before even we get to the name, uh, your, your, your remark here is that I think people should not uh, 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 misunderstand this as being the fastest computer in the continent to say only we want the speed in the computer. People should understand that there are real problems that yes. uh, South Africa and the continent yes. have to solve. Yes. For an example, in our exploration of our minerals, we really need to be able to be precise in those explorations. I think uh, we're looking at our exploration on oil and gas. These things will require massive computing. Um, I have, uh, and, and these are areas that will help us to be competitive as a continent. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, for an example, on the square kilometer array, for an example that you just mentioned, for us to process that data and give the world uh, processed information about the astronomy, we need to have massive computing. Uh, our health systems at the moment, uh, we're talking about the, the genomic sequencing. These are the next generation on how people are going to be diagnosed and being given uh, uh, the right medication. Uh, so genomic sequencing is one of the areas that is going to revolutionize our, 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 our health care. These things will depend on the supercomputers. So I think the listeners mm -hmm. should be able to understand the impact that if we don't invest now in the skills and mm -hmm. start uh, uh, addressing these problems, we are going to be left behind as, as, as the continent. So about our names, every, every nation, when they build their supercomputers, they take pride on uh, the, the, the symbols in their countries. And in South Africa, one thing that we looked at is that these supercomputers are huge and they are fast. So we sat and uh, uh, looked at this and said, what does this symbolize? And, and we thought about our antelopes. So our antelopes uh, are huge, are agile, and they are fast. So our, our history in building the supercomputers, that's why we named our supercomputers after the antelopes. So the first supercomputer that we put in... Um, 2007 was Ikudu, which mm. is Kudu uh, for the Tosa language. Mm. And um, uh, the second one, it was Zasebe, and Zasebe is also one of the first antelopes. So, but when we did, uh, when we did Lengau, we found that Lengau is much faster. It's 15 times Zasebe, which was our last antelope that we put. Yeah. But one thing, because of the architecture of the computing, um, uh, yeah, this was now a smaller version of uh, the server. And we thought, what will be so fast and getting smaller? And that's where Lengau or a cheetah came in to say it is fast, but it has got a small footprint. So all these are some of... Uh, the animals that we find in our continent 
and this is what we take pride of so this is how the naming convention comes in i you know i'm so inspired <laughs> and i i really appreciate that perspective that you shared in terms of not understanding lingao as um you know like according to the headlines the fastest computer you know but really about the impact and what it comes down to and the and the change that it brings i really really appreciate that but also want to congratulate you as the team at the council for scientific and industrial research for you know for this incredible innovation um it's really really important and it speaks to the essence of what we do on this show like what what is what is shaking what is who is moving and shaking africa what is making an impact what is making a change in terms of development when we talk about the the continent and you know many african countries and talking about the problems that we face and who 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 out there is contributing to really really tackling and solving these issues so that we come out better so I, I I am really really inspired by this. I I don't understand the science, <laughs> but you you explained it in, in such a in an accessible way. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I'm glad I managed to 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 make it simpler for yes, you. Yes. I, I think one last word that I would like to say uh, is that you know this development is it does not just end in South Africa. We have got a program where we are building this capa capabilities in the rest of the continent and uh, we have been working with a number of, of our, our countries first of all is the countries that are involved in the SKA and um, you know that it was South Africa and eight partner countries from Africa like Botswana, Mauritius, Kenya, Ghana and so on those countries we are busy working with them in building capacity there so we we get some uh, high performance computing systems that we install in this country so basically we don't want uh, south africa to be just a, a beacon sitting there alone we want these things to be pervasive in the rest of uh, the, the the continent so that's all what i can also share that uh, these developments we want to see this uh, being uh, continent-wide 100 percent Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Sitole. That was uh, Dr. Happy Sitole from the Council of Scientific and Industrial Research, um, who was just talking to us about Lingau, uh, which has been described as Africa's fastest computer. And um, if there's any other information um, about this project, we'll definitely share it on the website so that the listeners can learn more about what we're talking about. Thank you so much, Dr. Sitole. Thank you, Valumila. Thank you so much to SeedStars, uh, Standard Bank Incubator, for executing such a wonderful idea in a sensational way. It's, in, in my opinion, it's initiatives like these that can turn out to be a complete game changer for emerging entrepreneurs in emerging markets. This is also why I was so thrilled that I got to speak to ID Work and just get to know them a little bit better, get the story behind the story. I also wanted to say thank you so much to Dr. Happy Sitole for chatting with me about the fastest computer that's been built on the African continent. It's called Lingao. It was a complicated chat, I won't lie, but it was also inspiring. Dr. Habi Sitole was really good in explaining um, the concept of and, and how the computer works in layman's terms. Um, but like I said, it was also a very inspiring conversation about why 
um, technological advancements like these continue and will continue to keep Africa relevant and competitive. Thank you so much for sticking with me throughout the show. So just so you know, the iAfrican Weekly is broadcast every Thursday. The show's notes and details can be found at weekly.iafrican.com. So do tune in next week Thursday and please feel free to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just search for the iAfrican Weekly, click subscribe and then leave us a review. Also follow me on Twitter at Balungile underscore M and also follow the show at iAfrican Weekly. Until next week, here's the magnificent Cry Baby by Zuko Collective. Cheers. single warning life gets cold but don't let go keep the soul and bright as morning take control or else you'll
like I have a big Happy birthday to you. So in the EP, when we release the EP and you hear this birthday song, it's because it was Rosie Lubanzi's birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the 11th of July, 2013. Yes. If you're finding this, we are not dead. We do exist. <laughs> We're doing secrets now because this band does not agree with keeping secrets. Yeah. We think you need to get things off your chest the same way you need to cry and be a baby. And then you know.